We're going to talk today. I'm ready, Rusty. Today we're going to talk about relationship circles, exploring kinship in Abraham's world. It's from chapter 14, just three verses, really, verse 12, 13, and 14, or if we're generous, four verses, 12, 13, 14, and 15, from Genesis 14. Okay? And the passage begins this way. But as they left, that is, the marauding kings in the valley that we spoke of this morning, as they left, they took Lot, Avram's brother's son, and his possessions, since he was living in Sodom. Someone who had escaped came and told Avram the Hebrew who was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amori, or the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and brother of Aner, all of them allies of Avram. When Avram heard that his nephew had been taken captive, he led out his trained men who had been born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. This is a fascinating passage. Why is it fascinating? Especially if you're a cultural anthropologist, it brings together in three or four verses at least five different kinds of kinship relationship people may share with one another. We will see later how this, this illumines and challenges the way people like us, who claim to be a religious community, might and should relate to one another. So let's take a look. First, let's look at the various kinship relationships that pop up in this passage. The first kind of relationship we see here is blood relationship. Lot shares a blood relationship with Avram because Lot is named as the son of Avram's brother, his nephew. Anthropologists call this a consanguinal relationship that means of the same blood. In this great little passage, there is a second kind of relationship hinted at here when Avram is called the Hebrew. This is really anachronistic in a way because there yet were no other Hebrews. So Avram, Avram is the father of the Hebrews and He's, and yet he's had no children. There are scholars who say that the term Hebrew here is, uh, is not a kinship term at all, but it means perhaps one who has crossed over or someone from the other side. This is, it's a word kind of like maybe immigrant. This is the first time in the Bible that the term Hebrew was used. It may be similar to our notion of being an alien or even a pilgrim passing through. Some scholars are pretty sure that the term is connected to Eber, Eber uh, one of Abram's forefathers, uh, making sure that the promises made to Shem, who is one of the children of Noah, Shem has promised the covenant promise, that the promise of Shem, the son of Noah, would follow on to Abram through Eber, his descendant. 
You can look at that if you want to in Genesis chapter 10, verse 21, chapter 11, 14 to 26. The term Hebrew was rarely used among the Hebrews to describe themselves. But as in this case, it was used by others to describe uh, uh, Abram. So, because of the possible link to Shem through Eber, and uh, uh, through uh, and thus to the covenant promises to Noah, let's provisionally allow Hebrew here to be a kind of a kinship term for a much larger people group. Okay. Just like the word, we'll see the word Amori, Amorite, is a term for a, a general term for a very large people group. All the inhabitants of that region were called Amorites. This kind of broad kinship term shows up again when Eshkol is called an Amori, an Amorite. That's a general term for people living in the vicinity of Canaan at that time. A broad term, just like Hebrew, is a broad term at one time for people who are just passing through. But then our first kind of kinship term shows up again when we read, Avram was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, uh, the brother of Eshkol, the brother of Aner, and all of them allies of Avram. Mamre, the Amorite, was the brother of Eshkol, and the brother of Aner. They had a consanguinal relationship. This is again a blood relationship called a sanguinal relation, consanguinal relationship of the same blood. Just as Avram and Lot were of the same blood, you have these three brothers who are of the same blood. They share the same blood, but there's more. The text goes on to speak of these people being allies to Avram. The Hebrew is Baalei Brit Avram. They were covenant partners, Baalei Brit. They were covenant partners in some sense with Avram. He was in, in other words, he was in a covenant relationship with them. So they're related by covenant. So there you have to see already, and just left just about a verse, you have three different layers of relationship. Consanguinal, same blood, also uh, a broad, broad, broad term like Amorite or Hebrew. And then you have this idea of being allies. These are three different circles of kinship relationship, broadly speaking. And then the passage, as I said, finishes up with another consanguinal term, a term of people of the same blood when it refers later on to Avram, not simply as the son of Avram's brother, but it calls him nephew. Okay, so let's move on. Another one, not named here, is a final relationship or a final relationship, depending on who you ask. That is, people who are related by marriage. It's not mentioned in this text, but we might as well talk about it because it's very big in our world, like your brothers-in-law, your sisters-in-law, your father-in-law, your mother-in-law. Another layer is in Spanish culture, there are consuegros and consuegras. They're the parents of the spouses of your married children. English doesn't have a term for this. Yiddish does. In Yiddish, this is, these are called machatonim. 
That's in a final relationship by marriage. Wow. Finally, we read about a fifth circle of relationship. When Avram heard that his nephew, there's that term, had been taken captive, he led out his trained men who had been born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. These people are members of his household. The men are 318. How many women and children? I don't know. But they're members of his household. These are people born in Avram's house, but they are not consanguinal. How do we know that? Because Avram has not yet had his first child. No, he hasn't had Isaac. He hasn't had Ishmael. No, 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 no. This is what is termed a fictive relationship. This means people who are considered like family. Many of you have people who are like a mother, a brother, a father, an uncle, a sister, an aunt, a grandmother, a grandfather, who are not of the same blood and are not even married into your family. These are fictive relationships. Like I said, all of us know people who in a deep sense are family to us. This is Avram's posse. It's his encampment. It's his entourage. This is a fictive family. So let's review for a moment. What relational groups have we found here in our Torah reading? Consanguino relationships with people who are your own blood, like Mamre, Aner, and Eskol, three brothers, or like Avram and Lot, uncle and nephew. Secondly, a broader societal connection of which you just happen to be a part, like Avram the Hebrew, the uh, alien, or the native of the area, that is the Amorite. Or in Hebrew, that term is Amori. And then a third kind we saw were people who were associates by covenant, who remind us of the Baale Brit mentioned here. These covenant partners who are more remote than the other circles, and perhaps than at least some of the other circles. Another one not mentioned here is a final relationship that is people related by marriage, like your brothers-in-law, your sisters-in-law, father-in-law, and mother-in-law. Or as we said in Spanish culture, consuegros or consuegras is another layer of this a final relationship. Finally, we looked here in the upper left-hand corner of our diagram at fictive relationships with people who are considered like family, members of your own house, even if not related to you by blood, which we call consanguinal, or by marriage, which is called the final relationship. Again, fictive relationships are a group of people who regard each other to be like family. Okay. So what does this mean for us? We have in this brief passage four or five kinds of kinship relationships. All of these may be called covenantal relationships. But what is a covenantal relationship? A covenantal relationship is a relationship which entails explicit or implicit mutual responsibilities of some sort. All kinds of kinship relationships entail covenantal responsibilities. 
But what kind of responsibilities expressed or implied do we undertake by being part of a particular religious community? That is a good question. It is a question that many, perhaps most people never ask because they think of themselves as attendees at a service, as spectators in a way. They don't really think of themselves as having responsibilities. But is this the way the Bible sees things? No. There's a lot that could be said, and we won't say it today. But as we look at the end of today's consideration, let's look, uh, let's answer two questions, just two. Our first final question is this one. How did the early Yeshua believers see themselves related to each other? What kind of covenantal relationship entailing explicit or implicit responsibilities did they share? And uh, I have a quote here from theologian Joseph Hellerman. He begins by saying, as to what kind of relationships early Yeshua believers shared, pastor and theologian Joseph Hellerman reminds us, for Jesus, Paul, and early church leaders throughout the Roman Empire, the preeminent model that defined the Christian church was the strong group Mediterranean family. Now, listen to this. God was the father of the community. Believers were brothers and sisters. The group came first over aspirations of the aspirations and desires of the individual. Family values, ranging from intense emotional attachment to the sharing of material goods and to uncompromising family loyalty, determined the relational ethos of believer behavior. That's a very important quote. The early Yeshua groups who met in homes and shared meals together were fictive families. People were sharing covenantal responsibilities attached to their identity as brothers and sisters with the same father, God, and the same oldest brother, Yeshua. Let's look at it again. The group came first over the aspirations and desires of the individuals, family values ranging from intense emotional attachment to the sharing of material goods and to uncompromising family loyalty determined the relational ethos of believer behavior. So what does it have to do with us with our synagogue community. Lots. All of us inhabit one or more of these kinship categories. Some of us are related by blood, like the Siegel family that meets with us each week, father, mother, and three children. Then so, th these are consanguinal. Some of us are related by marriage. That's a phenol. All of us are 
share one or more broad characterizations like Abram's category here, the Hebrew, or like Anna, Mamre, and Eskel, who were spoken of as Amorites. All of us, for instance, share the covenantal responsibilities of being Americans together, except for those of you coming from outside this country to our group, and we welcome you. You share covenantal responsibilities with the citizens of your country, just as we do in ours. But for the most part, spiritually speaking, we share a fictive relationship. We are brothers and sisters. We're mothers and fathers in the faith to one another. Just read the Newer Testament and discover how often we are addressed in these terms. We are like, we're supposed to be very much like family to each other. As a matter of fact, a family that trumps all other relationships in our lives. And then our second final question, this is the last one. How might this impact the future of Ahavatzion Messianic Synagogue? As we look towards the future of Ahavatzion, we're seeking to enrich and explore our kinship relationship with each other in at least two ways. There are the broader categories, so we're going to have people hanging out with us from a very wide range here on the internet. We didn't plan it this way, but we have a, 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 a congregation that that's uh, ground level is virtual, although we're going to be having face-to-face -face relationships too. But the uh, what's called the fishing pond uh, by Carl George, a church growth specialist, is we're all here gathered together in virtual space. We didn't plan that. COVID planned that. Maybe God planned that, but we didn't. But also, we will be focusing on exploring uh, our fictive relationship with each other. We here, and I'm talking about me and the board and, uh, and the rest of us, we will be looking to form chavarot, small familial gatherings where people eat together, learn together, pray together, and grow together for the sake of God's purposes in the world. We will want to grow in exploring what it means to really be brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers to each other, while also making room for people who are just coming to take a look. So all of you are welcome, but we will develop a kind of concentric model where there's going to be a close relationship of members of the community who, ex who recognize and accept that we have a familial relationship and responsibility to each other. Our Chavarot will at first be virtual here on the web, but we hope and plan to build a bridge to face-to-face -to -face gatherings of people in ge geographic proximity to each other. All of this because we believe that it's God's design that we learn to be family together. I'm reminded of lyrics I wrote for a song called Perfect Peace. Part of the lyrics say this, the lamb is leading onward. So count the world as loss. On the way to coronation, don't forget your cross. Press on, and if you stumble, 
We're here to help you stand because we're family together within the Father's hand. That is who we were and are meant to be. It will take work. We're working on it. The fancy word is fictive relationship, but think of it like being family together within the Father's hand. This is not a gimmick. It's not a bell and whistle. It's the way spiritual communities are meant to be formed. We are not meant to practice spectator spirituality, where we come to a show once a week, where we don't know the names of the other people at the show, but if we like the show, we keep on coming. Otherwise, we go to another show. No, 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 no. That's not the way it is. We're meant to be family together within the Father's hand. Shabbat Shalom.